0: Welcome to The Golfing Mind, Uh, I'm your host, Robin Seeger, and as always, we talk about golf in general, but the mental game of golf in particular. Uh, I've just set up a new studio, so I'm trying to get the balance of sound right. So if I sound a wee bit echoey, or you suddenly hear an aeroplane in the background, it could be because the soundproofing is not as good as may be desired by the sound engineers at Abbey Road, where the Beatles recorded all their music. Nevertheless, I hope today we can look at a subject which I think is worth exploring, as much of the mental game is worth exploring. Not that we need to become experts in it, but to understand it. It's a bit like the golf swing. If you understand the fault, you can fix it. But if you don't understand the fault, you will compensate for it and create another fault to fix a fault. And I think, with the mental game, that's often the case. Unfortunately, what we use to fix is either we get a bit angry, or we get a bit frustrated, or we blame someone or something, or the Almighty, or the universe, or a or a butterfly flapping its wings rather too firmly, just as we're about to take a putt. So today I want to explore something that I think has been incredibly helpful to me, uh, in my golf, and I hope will be helpful to you in your golf. And it's, I kind of call today's uh, sort of lesson, never play the blame game. Uh, there's a lovely quotation by John Burroughs. He says, a man can fail many times, but he isn't a failure until he begins to blame someone else. And I think often we look outside of ourselves for the upset we can experience rather than acknowledging that we have to take responsibility. I mean, do you have a sporting hero, someone you admire for the way they play the game, someone who is gracious in both victory and defeat, who exemplifies the spirit of the game they play and provides a role model for others. We choose our heroes as they reflect an ideal to which we aspire. But more than anything else, and almost without exception, the one thing all our heroes have in common is that they are winners. I do not believe these players are our heroes simply because they're winners, though that is what may have attracted us to them in the first place. I believe they're our heroes because of the strong qualities of courage, patience, dignity, and stoicism that make them appear strong. In the 1970s, Bjorn Borg won Wimbledon five times in a row. When he played, he rarely smiled, never argued with the umpire, even if the calls seemed unfair. He never lost his temper or smashed his racket. In his sixth consecutive Wimbledon final, in a nail-biting tiebreak for the championship, with the talented but volatile John McEnroe, Borg's expression never changed. It remained impassive and strong throughout. One likes to imagine such players are beyond the human emotion of panic and choking, but I am sure Bjorn Borg felt all those emotions that day as he faced McEnroe. The reason I mention Borg, a tennis player, instead of a golfer, is because I consider him to be mentally the toughest sportsman I ever saw. Under the spotlight of Grand Slam finals with nowhere to hide and no one to blame, he exemplified the ideal of being strong under pressure. He won 11 of the 27 Grand Slam events he played in, giving him a 41% winning average for those tournaments, which is quite phenomenal. However, the fact he retired at 26 years of age suggests that the pressure took its toll. The same would be said of Bobby Jones, who retired at the age of 28, having won 13 majors, both the British and US amateur championships at the time were considered majors. There are players in golf who are mentally tough because of their genetic makeup, their upbringing or particular life experiences. These are the players who will be the last to choke as their attention is focused on winning and playing well when under pressure. But we should not assume that they do not feel pressure, that somehow they are immune to it. On the contrary, such players have just learned to manage it or in some cases overcome it. But we should learn from them when they experience bad luck, they rarely argue with a referee or get mad, when things start going wrong. It's easy to blame circumstances or people for the misfortunes that come our way. We can blame the caddy for a bad club selection or the greenkeeper for not doing a good job cutting the grass. We can blame the weatherman for giving us a bad indication of the wind strength or the tournament committee for putting the pins in such ridiculous positions. We can blame our golf teacher for not helping us become better. We can blame our partner for the fact they're wearing a red sweater. We can blame just about anyone and anything we can think of because we are unwilling to accept that we may be at fault. If we hit a bad shot, we need to accept that it's our fault, but we shouldn't continue to beat ourselves up about it. Rather, like the players we admire, we should accept it without judgment and move on. I spoke to a young golfer once who told me he was sure he would have been a better golfer if his parents had given him more opportunities to play and practice when he was younger. I could have mentioned many of the great golfers who came from poverty, were self-taught and went on to win majors, but I doubted very much this young player would listen to what I had to say. He had become locked into the view that his situation was the fault of others. He had allowed himself to focus on things he couldn't change, rather than orient him thinking towards his personal golfing goals and put himself in the right mental state to go after them. One of the keys to being a good player under pressure is the desire to win, to compete and play well and stay in control. We cannot harness this desire if we are constantly on the lookout for an excuse to explain why we fail to play well. Sebi Ballesteros was a self-taught golfer who famously began playing golf on the beach, hitting pebbles with an old three iron. He had all the ready-made excuses he required if he didn't become a good golfer, but his overwhelming desire to win took him to the very top of the game. In the latter part of his career, when he was no longer winning, he began blaming his caddy or the conditions to explain away his poor play. He tried many different approaches and sought advice from many playing colleagues in search of a way to restore his game to its former glory. One of the challenges we face in golf and in life is to accept the things that don't go our way. This can be seen in both Bjorn Borg's approach as well as that of Bobby John's. They both appeared to accept the bounds of the game, both good and bad. This is not to suggest it didn't bother them, but they knew how to let it go and get on with the shot in hand. This is possibly when we trust in our ability and believe that we can overcome any setback and win. It is hard for our champions as they get older to accept the limitations of age and ability, but wisdom comes from knowing when to put it all into perspective as well as how to let go of a victim mentality and choose a positive measured outlook. When we start to blame circumstances through negative speech and negative thinking, we will only deepen our sense of victimhood. Such thinking will entrench. Even our worst behaviours will manifest and exert destructive influences on our actions. Remember, attitude influences thinking and thinking influences actions blaming other people or events on the course will not make them go away in fact the more we complain and blame the more negatively we think and behave and the more poorly we perform in extreme cases negativity can cause us to lose focus completely and succumb to a meltdown naturally there will be times when we feel justified indulging in the blame game when someone talks during our backswing or stands in our line of sight or forgets to put their cell phone and silent We are justifiably irritated, but there is something we can do about such things. We can ask them to move, stay quiet or switch their phones to silent. If someone is at fault, pointing it out is not a bad thing to do, even if it's an embarrassing or awkward thing to have to do. Better they know than we suffer poor form. Nevertheless, the majority of things that bother us are things over which we have no control. A gust of wind. A bad bounce, a car backfiring or a butterfly flapping its wings too loudly in a neighbouring farm. And the things we cannot control should not occupy our energy because we have something more important to focus on. The next shot. So staying calm and just letting it go irrespective of the unfairness of it, I believe will serve us better than feeling victimised and distracted. From the task of playing our best golf so today's reflection is very much on just let go of the blame game it's not serving anyone now I am aware that today the Ryder Cup starts so I wish all the players and coaches and fans and spectators around the world a thrilling three days and I hope as I always hope on the day the best team wins naturally being European I would love to see Europe win but there again Victory goes to those, I believe, who are prepared and are ready. However, it will be exciting nonetheless. If you are genuinely serious about improving the quality of your golf, I would love you to take part in the uh, Silent Mind Golf online program. It's at seagurgolf.com. There's a link in the uh, podcast and there's various levels how you can work with me. I am working on a new golf book, the six fundamentals of the mental game of golf. I would love to hear from any players, uh, amateur or professional who'd like to share any stories on how changing their approach to the mental game has had a positive impact on their actual game. And that's about it. Anyway, I wish you a wonderful week ahead. I hope that uh, everything goes your way. The sun shines and the drives go straight and the putts are short. Until we meet again, all the best.